Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness in all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on the tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of teeth. And let's get honest, the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist, too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Guess who I have with me today? The <laughs> Katrina Sanders, and appropriately, the dental wine hygienist. Hi- <laughs> dental dental wine I keep clean wine. Yes, <laughs> she does. I have her with me. Uh, we're out here traveling, speaking, doing the things, and we mm-hmm, have to drink. Mm-hmm. It's bad luck to not drink after you cheers. You have to do that. Yeah, okay, let's try again. Okay. And we have to look cheers. each other in yeah, the eye. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, okay, it's cheers. Bad profies for seven years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants a forty nine ten for seven Nobody years. Nobody wants that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's okay if you are a forty nine ten. You weren't here to judge. <laughs> so, Dr. Kelly Tanner, this is the dental handoff. So happy that you're here with me today. I have Katrina Sanders with me, impromptu podcast. Those are the best kinds, mm-hmm. and just it's been such a cool journey because you know I've known Katrina for I've known of Katrina just like many of you all have for years. And we kept crossing paths, right? And it's like, hey, I need to meet up with you sometime. And the last time was at RDH under one roof. And I said, okay, when I get back, we're linking up. And it mm-hmm. ends up we're in the same study together speaking. And I said, while I have you, while yeah. I have your attention, can we do this? And she said, absolutely, 100%, which is my favorite thing. So we're sitting in my hotel room solving all the world's problems with perio and occlusion. Because that's just what you do on a normal Tuesday evening, yeah. right? Yeah, with champagne. With champagne. <laughs> With champagne because it makes it seem like our lives are much more glamorous than they really are. By the way, yeah. it totally makes it seem like we're way more fabulous than we really yes. are. Yes, and and you know, ask us, and right now we're fabulous. Right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling good. <laughs> so I know Katrina. I'm just trying to think like how I originally met you. Here's how you originally met. we met at RDH Under One Roof last year. Okay, and remember we went out and we had champagne with cherries. Okay, and yes. that's like how we connected, and we just. We had, you know, um, our viewers out there are like, you know, when you just connect with somebody and you're just like, we're in alignment, we're saying the same thing, we're speaking the same language, it's just super powerful. And I, I very much felt that from you. And we just had such a dynamic. Remember, we like bopped from like, yeah, um, drinking establishment to drinking establishment. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, we, we don't do that in travel. <laughs> but it was, it was terrific. And I think one of the things that I really appreciated about you is that you talk about the difficult things in dentistry. And I I love, you know, hearing your intro because it's so true. We, you know, there's so many opportunities for us to step into our power in leadership. There's so many opportunities for us to continue to serve. Uh, You know, we're still amidst a a global health crisis, this Mm -hmm. endemic, and the community is begging for our skills and the things that we're doing to be able to serve them. So I think 
this is such an amazing and poignant conversation for us to be having in dentistry right now. So I'm super stoked and I'm just blown away by all the amazing things that you're doing to lead that charge. So likewise, kudos to you, girl. I'm so proud of you. And as you guys know, every, everything wine and also perio is Katrina. And we were talking about the occlusion, the occlusal perio connection today and got a little something coming out for you. Yeah. Buckle up, buckle Buckle up up, peeps. Yes. And um, so Katrina, I always ask people, why dental hygiene? Oh my gosh. For why, you. Why dental hygiene? Why dental you hygiene? You probably get some you. weird answers, don't you? <laughs> I get some curious <laughs> ones. Yeah. <laughs> why dental hygiene? So I, I'm one of those people, you know how you meet people that are like, oh, you know, I had a really bad dental experience growing up. And so, you know, I want to be that change for people. Mm-hmm. I was the opposite. I had amazing dental care growing up. My mom took me to the dentist every six months. So going to the dentist for me, I equated to like getting out of school for a little bit. And then you could go and get a happy meal at McDonald's if you did a really great job and didn't have any cavities. So I really had a positive experience in dentistry my whole life. And I knew I wanted to get into the healthcare field and I knew I wanted to serve. Um, and I knew I wanted to be in a profession where I could grow and stretch and expand. But ironically, I didn't want to own my own business. Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously now here's the irony of all of it because I have several businesses and I don't know what I'm thinking. But, um, it, you know, it really, for me, was an opportunity to um, just stay connected to the patient and not be so wrapped up in the business of and mm-hmm. the I need to produce and I need to bring this in. And I, you know what I mean? It, I, it was this was a profession where I could really roll up my sleeves and serve. And so it was a, a very attractive profession to me for that reason. And. You know, I'm just going to say, I think that that is a common piece for a lot of people. I think a lot of people get into dental hygiene because they really do care about the patient. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we kind of give that uh, Miss America, Miss Congeniality answer, you know, we're all peace. But I think a lot of us want to get into dentistry because we want to help and we want to serve our patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get into dental hygiene. You get into the profession. This is like after hygiene school because you still kind of love hygiene a lot in hygiene school. You get into the real world. And this is where you start to see challenges with a we need to integrate skills that we were not taught in hygiene school b there's a lot more in the way of interpersonal skills leadership skills mindset skills all those pieces that again we were not really prepared to use in hygiene school um we're getting pushed back from patients uh from insurance you know plans we're uh you know the front office wants to dictate when we perform scaling and root planing when we don't the the doctor doesn't trust us and so we start to get very isolated, which is very hard for us because hygiene school is like a sorority, right? Like we have a great time in hygiene school. And so um, I think for me, my hygiene journey really started to take off when I was experiencing those pieces, right. just like everybody else, where that transition from school to the real world was like, you know, being in a hot tub and then jumping into a cold ice bath. And you're just like, whoa, what do I do now? So um, my hygiene journey really started from a passion for dental hygiene and like, you, like many of us, um, my my current uh, uh, avenue or profession in hygiene is fueled by that passion. So I'm very grateful for it. Wow. It's good. Yes, it is good. And you're able to now be an entrepreneur. So you've, you, you're still in clinical. I know that you, mm-hmm. that you practice clinically with the periodontal office and you speak a lot on periodontal disease. And mm-hmm. I know that also you have a current course that you've just developed. What's the name of that? So I've developed several courses. Um, the uh, the courses that really I'm, I'm building out now are focused quite a bit on perio, but changing a lot of the dynamic about perio. So I've got some coursework uh, with Joy Rasky, 
the Ultimate Perio Symposium. I also um, have a course now that's gotten really popular called Warning Graphic Photos Ahead, which is awesome. It's this really amazing course where you actually get to see the bloody surgical cases that we treat in our perio practice, so cool. which is so awesome because yeah. it's like how many times do you look at the disease on an x-ray and you're like, oh, that's what the bone looks like. But wouldn't it be amazing if you actually knew what that bone looked like, yeah. right? So I've got yeah. a program on that, which is just awesome. So I'm just, um, I'm really trying to change how we look at perio to better understand and to better absorb it um, in a way that helps our patients, of course, understand it, accept it and treat it because it is the second most frequent modifiable inflammatory condition. It is the sixth most, cro- most chronic disease of mankind. Wow. It's important for us. We are the frontline workers. We are the ones um, that really are armed and have the resources to be able to serve. So it's exciting. Wow. So how do you okay. come up with your ideas? Uh, I'm, in- I'm inspired by wine. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's so funny. Um, uh, Paul Homley says this. Paul Homley is um, one of my favorite speaking coaches. And he says, you get in your zone of genius when you're on stage. Do you ever get this? Yes. Where you're like, you'll be presenting a deck or you'll be presenting yeah. a program and you start talking and then you're like, oh my gosh, that's like an, am- you're in the middle of a program, like hundreds of people in the room. Yeah. And you're like, that's an amazing idea for a program or an article or a podcast episode or something, you know, yeah. and you kind of want to be like, write that down, you know? So I would say that, um, but I'm also, I'm in the operatory. And I'm so inspired by the things that I see in the operatory. I'm inspired by my doctors. Mm -hmm. I'm inspired by the common challenges when hygienists come up to me or they slide into my DMs and they say, hey, like this is what's going on. I see that as this is a question that needs an answer. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, I I soak it up. I'm always soaking up content or content opportunities. And for me, the Perio uh, Warning Graphic Photos Ahead program actually was um my dad's uh my dad's inspiration i, I was in that, that crazy yeah. it um so my dad uh i was back home this was last year uh i was back home in wisconsin um visiting my dad during the pandemic and um i was submitting my rdh under one roof proposals and my dad said to me he's standing over my shoulder and he says hey katrina i got an idea for a course for you Warning, graphic photos ahead. Don't you think some of your colleagues would like to see some of those bloody photos? And I was like, Dad, you were absolutely right. Yeah. It was amazing, right? So I'm like, absolutely. So I just like whipped up a course proposal, sent it to RDH under one roof. And then as the story goes, my father passed three months later. And I was back home in Wisconsin for his funeral. The morning of his funeral, I was looking over his eulogy that I'd written. And I got an email in my inbox from Endeavor that I had one course accepted for RDH under one roof and it was warning graphic photos I had. So of course I'm like, gotcha. You know what I mean? Like he's, Uh, he's just always there. So the inspiration is just everywhere. It's all around you, which is amazing. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, you've taken this inspiration to where you are. And then I also see you making different posts about, you know, how we're, how we're showing up on the profession and Mm -hmm. how we're leading and what is your experience in the growth opportunity that you've experienced in the in the profession as a leader in the industry? Yeah, uh, well, thank you for saying that I'm a leader in the industry. I uh, honestly, I'll say like that just means so much to me. Um, coming from you, coming from somebody I respect so much, and honestly, um, this has been just a dream come true to be able to be in a space where um, where people care what what I think and what I have to say. So thank you so much for that. Um, you know, 
I think when we look at some of the opportunities that we have within our profession, um, for me, it boils down to we are wildly skilled. We have so many opportunities to serve. And yet I feel as though dental hygienists are such an untapped resource. Mm -hmm. Uh, If the medical community truly knew what we knew, and rather, if the medical community knew the things that we had to know that they don't know, mm. you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. I co-publish quite a bit with my sister and she is blown away all the time. Like dental people need to know that. And I'm like, I'm concerned that medical people don't need to know right. that. You yeah. know what I mean? Right, right. So it's super eye-opening to see. Um, the one piece that I'll share is um, I, I believe that I've been afforded with a blind sense of confidence in my skills. And that confidence um, comes from a space of, one, I am constantly studying the profession. I am constantly studying the research. I am constantly taking coursework. And that's an important piece. Sorry, my phone keeps going off here. Um, That's an important piece because hygienists out there, your doctors, I do believe, a reasonable doctor wants to trust you. They want to hire you. They want you to become a team member and they want to be able to take their entire hygiene department put it in your hands and say, here, make something magical of it. They want to be able to do that. And yet over time, I, you know, I worked in a, a dental practice where um, the doctor would hire hygienists to come in and do all the anesthesia in the practice. And it was amazing. We did, we had a great time. We did it. We rocked it. And then one day the doctor said, I don't want anybody delivering anesthesia until you come to me, you tell me, um, you know, Dr. So-and-so, um, this patient needs a filling on number 19. And then I will tell you, give one cartridge of lidocaine via an IA lingual buckle with a long needle. Like it just, it, sh- it shifted overnight. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like what, what's going on? So come to find out, he brought in a temp hygienist. And this was in a practice where we saw a lot of kids. And this temp hygienist gave a four-year-old three cartridges of 4% articane for a single tiny little restorative need. And so, I, I, I mean, my hope is th- those of you listening are like, okay, that first of all, that's overdosing. Um, why did we need that much, et cetera, et cetera. So his trust in hygienists and in their training had wavered. And so... The first piece that I, and this was a big learning opportunity for me, was it wasn't about me. It wasn't about other hygienists. It was about doing right by the patient. His name is on that door. It is his practice. So when that happened, he was the one that was liable. And I do believe that the vast majority of us get into dentistry because we actually do care about our patients. We care about people. And so you have to put your head on your pillow at night knowing that you did a good thing. And how can you do that when you hire a temp because you need a hygienist to help support you that day and that temp overdoses a four-year-old? So I understood where he was coming from. I did. This wasn't about me. It was about the patient. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he needed to know, I know my stuff. Right. Like, I'm good. Right. So later on that day, we had a patient with primary biliary cirrhosis, and I needed to anesthetize them. So I went in, as he had instructed, 
um, Dr. So-and-so, I need to anesthetize this patient for you. Um, you know, it's, it's over here. And I said, before you tell me what you'd like me to use, I just want you to know this patient has primary biliary cirrhosis, um, which means that I think it would be best if we used an anesthetic solution that is metabolized in the plasma cholinesterase, not in the P450 enzymes of the liver. So I would suggest that we use articaine because it is ester-like in that the vast majority of it is metabolized in the plasma cholinesterase. And you know that doctor said to me? Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So what I mean to say is there, there is so much that gets thrown at us mm-hmm. in our profession. And we are constantly, um, we were talking about this earlier. We're like kind of like the little dog. Like we, 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 want, we want the doctors to trust us. We want our patients to trust us. We want our front office team members to support us. We want the assistants sometimes to help us when we're running behind. We want all of these things. And yet, I think the vast majority of the things that we do in our profession, although we're doing it because we really do care, we want our doctors to respect us, sometimes can actually make it harder. It can hinder us. Because if I would have thought, my doctor thinks I'm I'm dumb and I don't know right. what I'm doing and I hate him and I'm going to leave this practice and go somewhere else where I'm valued, we would have never had that exchange that we had. Right. Where he realized, actually, I do have skilled hygienists in this practice. This was a fluke thing. And maybe this is an opportunity for all of us to train each other. Because you shut down. You can, you Precisely. can shut down. Precisely. So I think our industry as a whole has an opportunity to really leverage having that that conversation with each other. I think doctors do want to trust hygienists. They want to connect with hygienists. They want to be able to say, here, this is your protocol. You build that out. You know, the doctor that day was like, that's great. So I built out the entire anesthesia protocol about, you know, because he recognized he was tired of telling the hygienists one cartridge of lidocaine with a, you know, 27 gauge long needle. So I built it out. And then the irony, of course, is that my very first program I ever delivered as a speaker was an anesthesia program. Uh. So again, you take this like annoying, frustrating, tragic experience and you had some sparkle to it. There you go. Yeah. You had a story to tell behind it. I have a story to tell and now I have a career from it, which is crazy, right? Yeah. So that's how it all started. That's how it all started. Not weird. Wow. Would you have ever guessed that you would have done this? No. I will say I, I, Katrina from hygiene school wanted this. So when I was in hygiene school, I went to the University of Minnesota and we had to my senior year, my like final career development course. Remember everybody had to take one of those and like yes. make a resume yeah. and everybody's resumes look the same. Cause like yeah. we all did the same thing, you know? So in that course, we had to fill out a career development manual. We had to write about, you know, I, oh, I like this kind of a practice or I'd like this kind of a clientele. I'd like geriatrics. I'd like pedo, you know, all that jazz. And it asked, well, what was your five-year plan or your 10-year plan? Like, if the sky was the limit, if you could do whatever you wanted, what would you do, like, 10 years out of hygiene school? And I wrote, I found my career development manual uh, just a few months ago. I'm, like, looking at it in my own handwriting. I thought, Katrina in hygiene school, I thought that 10 years down the road, I would be speaking. What? And I'd be published, and I'd be a consultant. Really? Isn't that crazy? Like, I literally wrote that. And I, and I forgot that I even wrote it. So it's like, I don't know if you, you write it and you manifest it out into the universe. Right, right. I'm, I'm a bit into the hippy-dippy manifesting stuff. Oh, it's, it's science. Um, it, 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 it's, it literally is. Like I, you, Your brain is just like locked in like this is what I'm going to do. But So Katrina in hygiene school wanted to do this, but this all just kind of happened because I recognized that there was a need. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take this moment and provide love and support to my profession instead of complaining about it, going on a Facebook page and 
typing about how annoying my doctor is or how much I hate this, that I took this and said, there's a, there's a question here mm-hmm. and I want to find the answer. Mm-hmm. We went, we talked earlier about the victim versus the victor mm-hmm. mentality. Tell us what you learned about that. She shared yeah. a great story with me. So it's like, well, you know, it's just, it. it's crazy because I do. Well, yeah. Well, we were talking about boys, what we're talking about. <laughs> but the idea being there is, so they have a victim uh, mentality or a victor mentality. Um, and a person who's in a victim mentality, any experience that they have, it is, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. Why is this happening to me? It could be something small. So the example that we talked about was, it could be something small, like you want to order new ultrasonic tips and you tell the doctor, you know, hey, I want to order new ultrasonic tips. And the doctor says no. And so from that, as a victim, if you are in a victim mindset, the victim will go down a rabbit hole where they will do things like, well, my doctor doesn't ever want to invest in anything. And then you go to CE courses and you see these amazing presentations of these incredible products. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, I'm not going to be able to use any of this because my doctor will never buy any of these things for me. And then you say that to the speaker. How many times have you heard that? Yes. Right. You walk yeah. up to the speaker. Oh, that'd be great. But my doctor will never do this. You're, you're putting words in your doctor's mouth because of one experience. And the reality is, what if... That month, the doctor had just bought a bunch of other equipment. And so it was not in the budget. Or, you know, what if for whatever reason, the doctor wanted to hold on to a bunch of ultrasonic tips for a trade-in deal or something? Who knows, right? So the victim goes down this rabbit hole where they end up in a space of why is everything happening to me? And the victor sees everything as why is all this happening for me? Why is it? So... Um, I've, I've had plenty of doctors say, well, we're not ordering that. And my question to them is, what do you need from me in order to be able to order this? So what does that look like? Are, am I not diagnosing um, appropriately on my patients? And so you don't think that I will use this product? A lot of doctors have fears that if you buy a piece of product or a, a piece of equipment or a product, that it's just going to collect dust yeah. in the corner. Right. So are you, did they maybe have a hygienist? Just like I, you know, I shared earlier with the hygienist who overdosed the patient. Did you have a hygienist that wanted a laser and that laser has been collecting dust in the back room? And so now you just don't want to order equipment because you think right. I'm not going to use it. What do you need from me? The victor in that story is the one that, again, thinks there's a question here and I want to be able to answer that. So how can I get you, you know, to the space where you trust me to be able to utilize this? And I've experienced that in many cases. I worked in a a private practice. Um, I took over the hygiene department for this hygienist that like everybody loved her. Oh my gosh, she was blonde. She was beautiful. You know, the type. She was just amazing and all the patients loved her and she fell in love and moved out of state. So in comes the red devil, right? Here here I come and I start treating patients in this practice and I found out that this hygienist didn't take FMXs on anybody Mm. and this hygienist did not probe anyone. Nobody in the practice had been probed. In fact, there were no probes in the hygiene kits. Mm. So again, What's my first thought? What What is the victim's first thought? The victim's first thought is the doctor's so cheap, he doesn't even buy probes. Mm-hmm. What kind of a like practice is this that you don't, pro- oh, this must be your standard of care. You must be okay with this. Mm-hmm. What, they don't even take FMXs. What, you know what I mean? The victor on the other side walked right up to the doctor and said, I'm concerned because there are no probes in these kits. And the doctor's like, then order the probes. Great. I can just order whatever I want. Yeah, order whatever you want. Okay. So I ordered the probes. Then I said to the doctor, listen, um, 
none of these patients have been probed. None of these patients have had x-rays. There are nine millimeter pockets everywhere, and these patients are being treated with prophies. Uh, uh, we need to set up a protocol. And he's, he was very concerned about that because, of course, he's like, you know, all these patients love this previous hygienist. Right. Who are you to come in and shake all this up? And I said to him, I need you to trust me that I can talk to these patients and I can help them understand. And he did. He got behind me 110%. And he and I built out a massive empire of a hygiene department. How do you have that conversation with the patients? You know, it's it's hard because what's the first thing the patient's going to say? Well, I've been Nobody's ever told so- me that. Exactly. I've been seeing so-and-so for forever and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I you never want to throw your colleague under the bus. Right. You know, I mean, that's just like 101. But at what point, so this is this is a kind of an interesting dichotomy of dentistry. You don't want to throw your colleague under the bus so much that you'll let patients continue to walk around with disease. Right? Mm. Like who, who at the end of the day is really impacted by this? Patients. It's a patient, yeah. right? It's a patient's health. So, yeah, I certainly had my fair share of patients. Oh, so-and-so never said any of this to me. And I said, I understand. Um, I will say I have an advantage over so-and-so because I was able to take these uh, images today or because, you know, I used this instrument that allows me to be able to examine these pieces. So when I look at all of these things together, I'm seeing your disease in a different way than so-and-so did. Mm, um, and so with that information, um, here's what we know. And I'd pull up, you know, something that came from the AAP or our friends at, you know, or a farmer, whatever, you know, that showed, you know, these are the pocket depths that are considered healthy. These are the pocket depths. Well, no pocket is healthy. These are the sulcus depths that are considered healthy. You know, these are the areas that we're starting to see some advancement. This is the range that you're in. So um, the good news is we've detected it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not have had any of this going on when you saw her. Again, that's yeah. me protecting her because, right. of course, the, a patient with a nine millimeter pocket like that doesn't just like show up over. It usually doesn't. Not, show up not likely. Head. Not likely, especially when you're not taking X-rays or probing anybody ever. Um, but the idea being, you know, that conversation with the patient is uh, I'm, I'm shifting the conversation away from why did she not tell me and are who's right and who's wrong. And it's more about this is what I'm seeing today. And you may not have had this disease last time, yeah. but the good news is we caught it today. And this is our opportunity to address this because if we don't, this is what we're looking at down the road. And I like what you said with that too, because it's sh- like you said, shifting the power. And, and then also too, it's about remaining in your power yes. and the patient remaining in there. So they don't go back into victim of why does this happen to me? So yes. everyone stays in alignment of their worth in that, in that patient provider relationship. Absolutely. Well, I mean, think about it for the patient. What are their fears, right? So they, they've been seeing the same hygienist for forever. And then a new hygienist comes along. And to your point, in that victim mindset, new hygienist comes along. And it's like, they just want to bill the, you know, they want to bill me for extra stuff. Yeah. Does every patient think Doctor that? Doctor needs right? a BMW. We're, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doctor needs a BMW going on a cruise next <laughs> month, you know. So, oh, they need to, they're just billing this out. Um, who has built the trust with the patient? Certainly not me. The previous hygienist had built right. that trust. right. And so it's interesting, um, we are in this mindset in hygiene that building trust with a patient is learning about the patient. We do things like at the end of the note, we'll write, you know, going to Costa Rica next month, right? And we do that because that way then we can ask the patient in six months, right? oh, how was your trip to Costa Rica? And then they go, you remember? Like, oh, yes, I remembered. <laughs> of course you didn't, but you wrote it down. You wrote and it down. so you, you think that that's the way to build the trust with the patient, right? That's what a lot of us think. That's how you build trust. The issue is... We know way too much information about the presence of disease 
in our country. The vast majority of our patients are walking around with periodontal disease, and the vast majority of hygienists are treating that periodontal disease with a profi because we're so scared to tell the patient about what we're seeing in the mouth. And we're scared that we're not going to get the support from our doctors. Mm. And we're scared that the front office team is going to say, you can't bill insurance for that. And we're scared because of this, and we're scared because of that. And so all of these things culminate into the opportunity for us as clinicians to step in as leaders. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? comes back to that. I feel like we just like solved all the problems of the world. We did. So <laughs> if you want to know how to do that, contact Katrina. <laughs> we did solve all the problems. We did. We did. Yeah. This is what happens when you put two smart women in a room with champagne and cherries. Yes. Cheers, my friend. <laughs> Cheers to you. Uh, we got. We have to look each other in the eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers well, to you, Katrina, it has been an amazing experience. It just went that fast. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. How do people find you? Um, so you can find me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also, so Katrina M. Sanders. And then I'm on Instagram. You can find me at the Dental Wine Genist. And I'm on Facebook at the Dental Wine Genist. Uh, you can also check out my website. I've got some fun stuff on there if you're interested in reading more, etc. cetera. Uh, that's www.katrinasanders.com. Um, and you can contact me uh, on my website as well. So um, feel free to just explore around. And if you find anything that's fun and exciting, check it out because I've got a lot of content out there. And, um, yeah. and I think that's important for us to be able to share that. So. I think so too. And then you, she'll probably be speaking at a at a community near you at any given moment, right? You never know. That's right. You never know. Gonna, I, it's a pop up. I never know. Yeah, exactly. I never know where I'm going to be. I'm like, where am I going tomorrow? So yeah, exactly. Look at the phone. Where's, yeah. What time's the flight? Well, to all of our viewers, thank you so much for your loyalty. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor on Apple, if you wouldn't mind giving us a five star rating, we would really appreciate it. Katrina, thank yes. you. Thank you so much. And um, you guys keep doing all the good things. Thank you for all that you're doing to care for your patients and your community. We'll see you on the other side. Bye.